Good morning and welcome to our program, Our American Heritage. I am your host, Arch Hunter, and at our desire at American Heritage to explore in depth the American experience from its beginning to the present. Understanding the history of us great nation is paramount in understanding our greatness. So today we want to welcome back as our very special guest, Paul Sanborn. Paul, thank you for coming back to the program and sharing with our listeners. Happy to be here, Art. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's been a long time coming, and I want you to know that this has been on my bucket list for quite a while. So thank you for coming. And listeners, if you didn't hear Paul's first program, you need to go back and listen to that on the recording. And I want you to know that I met Paul Sanborn many, many years ago, and he was very influential in helping save my teaching career along with my wife and what I've been able to do as a professional educator is all gratefully acknowledged because of Paul Sanborn's influence on my life as a teacher and as an American and trying to be an historian. So, Paul, you were sharing with us in the first program about the attack on the USS Liberty in 1967, and you were ending with, because I had asked you the question about the Cold War, and you were talking about really how the Cold War started and how it transpired. And we don't know what's going to happen in the next election as far as the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans and the Iranians are concerned. So that's where we pretty much left off. And I have another question for you, if you don't mind, before you continue your story on the attack of the USS Liberty. Was it common for our ships to be in that area of the world, particularly during that time period in America? As you were mentioning, it was the height of the Vietnam era also. So is that normal? Was that standard procedure militarily to have an influence in that area? Oh, yes. That was uh, that standard procedure then and now. Some... And uh, for example, the day of the attack on the Liberty, the Russians had 20 ships, 20 warships in the area of operations that the Liberty was involved with. So, you know, all the great powers, uh, Europe, NATO, and uh, Warsaw Pact, and Russia, and Soviet Union, everybody had warships, and uh, they were present in great numbers there. Uh, we had a whole fleet, a designated fleet there, and uh, this was a big operation. And you mentioned uh, right at the onslaught of the attack, was the attack from the air, or was it from naval vessels? The Liberty had 294 crew. They were functioning, collecting intelligence, but they had gone into a lull. And uh, I'll explain that in a second. And they had their hull clearly marked with a GTR-5. And it was visible from a great distance. And anyone who has Jane fighting ships, which is the professional ship log for all the major uh, navies of the world, Anyone who has access to Jane's could realize immediately that this was not a horse-carrying ship half the size of the Liberty, but in fact was the Liberty itself. It had a flag flying at the mast, okay, uh, no problem. And basically, in the morning of June 8th, you know, the sun came up, ship was in normal operation, and between, oh, I guess 10 and 12, eight Israeli jets, clearly marked with the Star of David, Mirage jets, they're French, made eight overflights of reconnaissance planes in two hours, marked with uh, uh, Israeli uh, markings, came across and did reconnaissance run on the Liberty. They came in at 100 feet mm. uh, altitude, oh. which is extremely close. 
And, and by the way, the ship was rocked by these planes going by it. And they waved to each other. The pilots and the crew of the Liberty waved to each other because, uh, you know, they, they knew it was Israel, Israeli. And uh, so in the, in, the, in the retelling of this, the conspiracy, basically no one would admit that these reconnaissance planes ever existed. Basically, uh, you know, the attack took six minutes, according to the story that was told by the people involved. And that's from Lyndon Baines Johnson right on down to the admiral of the fleet there in the Mediterranean. Everyone was giving the same party line, six minutes, whereas it was much longer than that, uh, much longer than six minutes. And, uh, and uh, again, and another question, who, how soon did we learn there was Israeli jets attacking our ship? And the, the, the answer to that is we learned while well, the jets were attacking. Yeah. But at first we didn't know that they were Israeli because they were, they were painted black and they were not wearing Star of David. But see, that's why they, they, they got these overflights, reconnaissance flights in the morning, and they, they didn't have proof that this was the same units coming back or, or the same country coming back to attack it. It's only a little later in the attack that they realized from other attacking units beyond the first jet that came in who were painted black that they basically were being, they were being attacked by the Israelis. So at 1 o'clock in the, uh, the zone time, you know, that local time, 1 o'clock, Captain ordered a general quarters drill, and then by about 1.58, a problem came in over the horizon. Three Mirage jets, painted black, attacked the ship. And what they did was, there were antenna on top of the ship, and they had 45 of these antenna, and 44 of them were active, which means they were hot, which means they're, they're, you know, they were actually literally hot, and they were actually transmitting. So these jets had heat-seeking missiles, and they uh, basically used them to knock out 45 antenna to isolate the ship so it couldn't call for help. They could not knock out the ship entirely because one antenna was cold, and what they weren't transmitting wasn't hot. It was cold, and that, that was the one that the crew could use to make a SOS, and they did. They made an SOS, and uh, basically that got the word out. Otherwise, they would have been totally destroyed before anyone knew what had happened. So that's one thing, okay? And then the Mirage jets that were there, they began to attacking the crew with machine guns. You know, the, the fighter jets have, you know, the small, the, not small arms, but they have the uh, 50 or 30 caliber machine guns. And they basically started firing on the Liberty all over the place, you know, to, to try to kill the crew that they could see. Now, the Liberty, my God, these guys were really armed. First of all, they had four 50 caliber machine guns, some of which were taken out in a strafing attack right away at the beginning. And four 50 cal machine guns do not do well against jets. You know, it's very difficult when a jet's going at you in attack mode. It's very difficult to, to really zero in on a 50 caliber machine gun on a jet. And also, the jet's firing at you, and there's all kinds of confusion and chaos. and Splinters and shrapnel and so on flying around. So, and the men were, were cut down. Some of them were cut down that they tried to respond. Uh, they also had rifles and pistols, which are even more effective against jets. And so uh, this is sort of like Pearl Harbor, all in, in, in you know, minor form, mm -hmm. sort of like a Pearl Harbor, a surprise attack by our allies. And then, I love this, uh, then we have the next wave of attack comes in, and that's the napalm. 
Sea jets came in and dropped napalm canisters on the Liberty to try to burn it to a cinder. And that was basically a, uh, you know, a, a failure. They, they did burn the ship, but they didn't wipe it out. They didn't sink it. And so these two jets came in. They were, uh, there's other French jets, another uh, model of French jet. They came in with the napalm made by Dow Chemical. So the Israelis were using our allies, you know, our chemicals from Dow, napalm, to bomb our own ship. And people who died, died with American weapons. And fires were all over the ship. And, you know, napalm can't be extinguished till it burns out. So these fires lasted and there was smoke and uh, heat and all kinds of problems. And the jet then attacked the firefighting damage control parties to try to retard their progress to save the ship. And so this was, to me, a systematic and vicious attack. There was oh, no question about it. Now, at 2.30, 14.27 zone time, three torpedo boats attacked, clearly marked with a Star of David, on their hulls. They fired five torpedoes and one hit. One hit the starboard hull of the Liberty and basically knocked a, like a 57 by 70 foot hole in the hull and near sank the, uh, the ship, but they used damage control to, you know, control it compartmentalized the damage, and 26 people, personnel, mostly the NSA and Marine translators, died instantly in that torpedo hit. And Alan Blue, B-L-U-E, was the Arabic NSA civilian contractor, and he was killed also in that attack along with our military personnel. Many people were trapped below decks, and this is where Lockwood went back down there to undog the, the hatch because the men couldn't get out from the compartment. They were locked in. The hatch was, was sealed, and he unlocked it, even though he was wounded himself, and he was able to rescue a number of men, three men, from below the deck where the torpedo hit the ship. So the hull on the ship began to list 9 degrees, and it was ready to roll over. And the, the captain, wounded Captain McGonagall, uh, ordered the crew to abandon ship, and they launched the rafts, life rafts, and the Israelis shot them hmm. and sank many of them. And one raft was seized later and is today kept at the Israeli Hall of Heroes Museum in the Netanyahu Museum in Tel Aviv. Also with the picture of the man who uh, launched the torpedo that hit the Liberty. So they're there today, as far as I know. They may have been removed, but they're there today. And they're very proud of that. Now, we've had the attack with the heat-seeking missiles. We've had the strafing. We've had the torpedoed, we've had more strafing, and now we have two helicopters arrive. And they bring the Israeli Special Forces, Israeli Marine, and they're coming to kill everyone on board, as far as we could tell. And so the Captain McGonagall orders repel borders, and those with uh, M1 and with 45 caliber pistols, those who could get to them because some were locked away and couldn't, the cabins couldn't be opened, no one had the keys, couldn't find the keys. And uh, there was all kinds of confusion, and some of the ammunition was old, and, uh, it, it, you know, normal confusion. And uh, they, they were ready to propel borders when all of a sudden they basically withdrew and did not land on the ship. So this is the attack on the Liberty. This is not a, a, it, a, a two-minute, six-minute, ten-minute drill. It's basically a series of three waves of attacks one of which was called off at the end, 
The reason why it was called off was because the Israelis picked up indications that the Americans knew that this shit was being attacked. And one of our three, three of our listening posts picked up in Israeli and Hebrew a transmission. It's an American tip from one of the pilots attacking the Liberty. And um, the reply was, you have your orders, attack it from the controller in Israel. So they knew. And the flag, the, the flag that was there, that came down. It was, it was shot down by the attacking planes. And early on in the first wave, they, they dropped the heat-seeking missiles. So when the attack was uh, going on, uh, McGonagall, somebody ordered the battle flag, which is the parade flag, the holiday flag, to be flown. And that's a seven by 13 foot flag. Oh. And that is a massive flag, like the one that flies at the Freedom's Foundation. Mm-hmm. Shoot. And they put that up. So there was no question it was an American ship and not an Egyptian horse carrier. So um, all this goes on. And then what happens is, unfortunately, the Sixth Fleet, which is the United States American fleet in the Mediterranean, the Sixth Fleet sends word to, they picked up. Uh, in, you know, the signal that the Liberty was under attack, and they sent out planes and helicopters to rescue the Liberty. It was a 15-minute flight, and no big deal, 15 minutes, and they went out, and then they were recalled, and they were recalled by McNamara first. Mm. He talked to the Admiral and said to the Admiral, Admiral Martin, you're to recall those planes. We're not to send anything to the Liberty to save it. And when Martin got into the big fight with him, all of a sudden Johnson was on the open line, an open line, Autobahn, and uh, he came on the open line and said, I don't care if the Liberty sinks and all her people dead, commit suicide or dead. Mm. No allies are going to be embarrassed. And so they gave the orders that uh, no planes were to go to the aid. And the Israelis failed to sink the ship. The Liberty stayed afloat. And the first, now these guys are all wounded, remember? Uh-huh. There's 170 guys wounded. And these guys sit there in their bloodied ship for 18 hours mm. before the first help arrives. Uh, uh, this is incredible. Wow. And when the, first, when the first planes arrive and the first helicopters, they're met with all these dead, all these wounded, and the ship's still smoking and burning. Well, you know, still... <laughs> recovering and it it's unbelievable that we didn't come to the aid of one of our ships and the gentleman by the name of admiral geis lawrence geis revealed lbj's words and his meaning is the tent to commander david jones who was the executive officer of the liberty and told to keep this a secret till his death which he did jones was blinded in the attack he was rescued 18 hours later plus after the attack so that he was blind for 18 hours and wounded and so on. And, uh, of course, there was no active doctor, the corpsman, but no medical facility on board the Liberty. It was too small. And he was taken by chopper to the carrier from the Liberty, and he did regain his sight. And after Admiral Geist died, then Commander David Jones, still alive at that time, said in the early 2000s that this is what happened, that there was a secret cover-up of the attack on the Liberty. And now the second conspiracy is that the word is, and, and, and I can't prove this, but it, this is the word accepted by some and rejected by others, that immediately from the Saratoga aircraft carrier, two planes were launched and they had 
well, several planes were launched, and basically they were armed with nuclear mm. weapons. Oh. And they were on their way to Cairo to drop those nuclear weapons on Cairo and to blame Egypt for attacking the Liberty with the idea that the Israelis attacked the Liberty because they were asked to, told to, by the Americans in order to create a false flag. That's Northwood, a code name, operation name, some false flag, like the USS Maine, mm-hmm. Santiago Harbor, Cuba, that helped to start the Cuban War, Spanish-American War. This was a false flag, and that basically the Israelis failed to stink the liberty, and the Americans, realizing this, recalled those planes armed with the nuclear weapons. Otherwise, we would have had a nuclear war, because the Russians had submarine forces, elements deployed to attack the Sixth Fleet, and Johnson spent much of the day, that day, remember, they're behind the time. They, you know, the, the Liberty was attacked and it was still nighttime in Washington. So basically, Johnson was on the phone with Russian Soviet leaders discussing God knows what because they're not transcribed anywhere. They're not in the logs. He did have four calls with Kosygin and basically, you know, hey, we're not going to worry about this. The Russians are threatening they'll go to war with us if we continue in this manner. And we activated all the troops around the world. We raised the DEFCON level to two. And basically, we were preparing for war. And it was a very, very high-level secret. The Admiral of the Sixth Fleet didn't even know. I mean, he knew that there was atomic weapons on board, but these were handled by special troops, and they answered only to Washington, not to him. So that's a second conspiracy. And then, when they got to the crew, they decided that they weren't going to take the crew they were going to take the ship to Taipei's Crete, which is the closest, the 16 hours away, because the press was there, and they wanted to keep the press from seeing the Liberty. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they sent the Liberty to Malta, which is not 16 hours away, but 124 hours away. And uh, they couldn't do the repairs. They couldn't repair it at Crete, but they could, you know, control the press and everything at Malta. So they controlled the press by moving it to Malta to make it seaworthy to come home. Then they called the crews in, they did an investigation, and the Navy handled it, and it was done in a week, and Admiral McCain was involved, being in charge of that, and that was Senator McCain's father, and McGonagall was given the Medal of Honor, but secretly, McGonagall said he never gave the order to abandon ship, but he did, but they never did abandon because the rafts were sunk, mm-hmm. and he never mentioned the torpedo boat, machine gun, raft, he never mentioned any of that. And he said it was six minutes of an attack rather than two hours. And they interviewed Admiral Kidd, who conducted the examination of the event. He interviewed the crew with no tapes, no records, no written notes, no nothing. And the crew told him what they thought, that you know, they were attacked by Israelis, it was vicious, it was not a joke. But those records not only didn't exist, but they weren't included in the report anyhow. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> They took the words of the Israelis over the words of the crew. And LBJ and uh, McNamara ordered Kidd to claim it was mistaken identity. And that's what, in fact, the Israelis said almost immediately. This was a mistake. We made a mistake. We, we, we thought this was an Egyptian horse-carrying ship, and instead it was an American ship, and we're sorry. But they never, you know, they never did anything beyond that. And uh, Kidd said, quote, this is a, a political matter keep a tight lid on it. And he said that to, uh, to some of his aides, you know, who were in charge of producing the report. And in 2004, Admiral Kidd came out and said there was clear evidence of a deliberate attack to destroy the ship and murder the crew. Hmm. And uh, 
you know, that, that's what the staff officer said, and Kid agreed. Murderous bastards, war crimes, etc. Paul, and, we, uh, we have about, I'm sorry, we have about four, four and a half minutes left. Why would the Israelis agree to attack one of our ships and sink it? Well, they said it was a mistake. And if you're looking for a record, as a historian, you know, you have to go with the records. And the records are only with the Israelis because we have no records from our side. They, they were suppressed. Crew members were told, you know, if you say this, you'll be court-martialed, you'll lose your career, you will be found guilty, you'll be fined $100,000, which, remember, is 1967, mm -hmm. not 2023. I'd say it'd be over a million today on the graves of men buried in Arlington and any other cemetery, military cemetery. The Liberty Affair is not mentioned by name. It's just really incredible. You know, Johnson got on TV and told everyone that 10 Americans died in six minutes. Mm. That's what American people were told. And on the 8th of June, same day of the attack, a pro-Israeli uh, mass rally was held in Lafayette Park. And it was about the leadership of Israel and how great it is and how we need to support them because they're surrounded by our enemies, the Arabs. And Johnson gave a speech or a very quick speech there in Lafayette Park that day. And it's saying CIA were ordered silent and it's classified to this day, as I said. So uh, there's a conspiracy, a real one. Well, where is the Liberty today as a ship? It was scrapped. Hmm. Then the Pueblo was in the next year, 68, mm -hmm. and it was by the North Koreans. And instead of giving Butcher, uh, Butcher, the captain of the Pueblo, instead of giving him Medal of Honor, captured the Pueblo. They captured it because they weren't out to sink it. They were out to capture it. And they had most of the machinery, technology was captured. And they have that now as a tourist attraction in North Korea. Mm -hmm. And school children are taken there to be shown the evilness of the American ogres. So the liberty was scrapped, it's gone. Mm. So just, uh, you know, I know this is all common knowledge. Everyone knows about it. <laughs> uh, but this is just one more example, you know, of what happens. As far as we know, remember, I sense an interpretation. Right. I'm pro-Navy. You know, I have my biases. But... Uh, uh, we'll never know really what happened, I'm assuming. And, but that's all I have to say. And, and you know, again, the 99.9% .9 of Americans don't even realize, don't even know anything about this at this point. Um, well, and maybe they shouldn't, you know, in the sense that you really have to, I, I would say this is like a, a loaded gun. Mm -hmm. You don't want a child, and I'm not calling everybody in the United States a child, but you don't right. want someone inexperienced with weapons to be handling a weapon without training. And you have to have some sort of background, you know, in this type of field, just like everything else, you know, medical field. You, what I know about medicine is not enough to make me a doctor or, you know, to expert on medical treatment. Mm -hmm. I have to have some input because I'm a human and I'm responsible for my health, but I don't know enough. I can't build a bridge. I'm not an engineer. And you just can't say, well, well this is intelligence work and almost anybody can handle it. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. And the politics involved, the diplomacy, and the overall strategic effect of this tactical situation, but it was murder. Wow. Well, this is a very, very sobering story. So thank you for sharing that story with us and with the USS Liberty in 1967, what happened to the ship and, and all your insight into it and giving us so much to think about and chew on and look for ourselves. So thank you for sharing. Okay. That. You're welcome. Appreciate it very, very much. So 
If you're so willing, I'd love to have you back on future program to discuss anything that you would like to discuss with the listeners. Because listeners, I will tell you, I have all the years that I've listened to Mr. Paul Sanborn, I have never been bored one second of any time that I've been able to sit and listen to Paul and learn from Paul. So Paul, again, we thank you for coming and sharing the story about the USS Liberty and the attack on our ship in 1967. We appreciate it very much. Okay. Take care. Thank you very much. But you take care also. This is WFAL, 1180 AM, working for your liberty.